Welcome to this week's Stacker Chat, your weekly update on all things Stacks. My name is Gina Abrams, and I'm joined by Monib Ali, Stacks founder. Stacks is smart contracts for Bitcoin, and Stacks Mainnet launched earlier this year. Thanks for being here, Monib. So our question of the day is, um, what's the most interesting thing that you've read or seen this past week? This past week? Uh, let me think about it. I think it's probably probably some NFTs uh, that I've been playing around with. Uh, I feel like people are getting really creative, uh, and it's almost like uh, every every community, uh, be it like an internet community or a real life community, uh, like in the physical world. Like I think they tend to have some sort of a culture, and uh, in many ways, the culture of Bitcoin I think is getting expressed through uh, NFTs now, like Bitcoin NFTs through Stacks. And that's very interesting to see that, you know, like what, what does the Bitcoin culture look like if you try to actually represent it in, in, in artwork or like other, other types of like expressive formats. So I think that's that's been super, super interesting to watch. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like there's a launch every day. Um, it's, it's a little hard to keep up. Um, well, great. That brings us to... Um, you know, talking further about this connection to Bitcoin um, and a topic that you dove a little bit deeper on Twitter recently. And so can you speak about sort of this open dialogue that you had recently about building on Bitcoin and the stacks versus liquid network approaches? Um, I think there were some commonly asked questions that you were addressing here. So we'd love to hear both some of the, the main points and, and takeaways from that. Yeah, so I think um, this is this is one thing that I've uh, noticed in this ecosystem that um, if if there are people who are so Bitcoin itself is a decentralized network. It's, uh, it's I think Bitcoin actually represents freedom. Uh, anyone can come in, use this technology uh, however they want to use. And interestingly, um, I think usually if you look at open source projects or especially networks that are completely open. Uh, they tend to be very open to developers, to tinkers who want to come in and uh, kind of like use the network in all sorts of ways. Uh, but very interestingly, I think if you look at the early type of the uh, Bitcoin culture and community, I think there were several different events that happened. Uh, partly, I think it was the uh, 27, 2017 type of a uh, quote-unquote ICO boom. Uh, where the community felt that, hey, Bitcoin is kind of like a real asset with real value and it's just like the best uh, form of money. And these these other uh, projects are basically trying to like hype up marketing. And so so this, this culture started to emerge where people have started becoming very dismissive of anything that is kind of like not Bitcoin. And, and I think uh, in some ways they've actually taken it to an extreme um, and and the work that we are doing at Stacks, like we are, we are, we are Bitcoiners before kind of like building Stacks, right? So we go all the way back to the early days of Bitcoin. Uh, but even we have started seeing some of that resistance uh, come up. Uh, for example, I think I am um, very supportive of any type of work uh, that developers are doing in the Bitcoin ecosystem. I often cite examples that look, there's Liquid, uh, which is a federated network, and it's good for like certain things. There's RSK. 
there are approaches like you know RGB or, or DLCs that are that are different, and then there are stacks, and stacks are doing this. But from a uh, as a Bitcoiner, I'm supportive of all these different approaches and uh, people basically uh, exploring different design trade-offs. But I feel like uh, this is not something that uh, other people in the Bitcoin community also do. So uh, I've been noticing basically like harsh criticism for uh, no good reason uh, for weeks now, right? Like uh, it could be like people would like ping me that, hey, here's a, a tweet criticism going on about stacks. What do you, what do you think about it, right? And interestingly, it becomes a little bit challenging because I truly like respect some of those people uh, for the contributions that they have uh, uh, that, that they've given to Bitcoin, to computer science in general. And that's why like I've, I've been trying to walk like a very kind of like you know a balanced line uh, to be respectful, to respond to them, to answer their questions. Uh, but at some point, you kind of like need to uh, kind of like you know, set the record straight. So last weekend was like one of those moments where, um, you know, there were too many people pinging me like on Signal or other places that look, you know, here's here's another thread going on, uh, which is basically needlessly critical of the stacks approach. Whereas like if you if you dig into the details, so I've never kind of like public, publicly criticized Liquid because I genuinely believe that the design decisions that they have uh, picked are, are interesting and uh, are uh, there are interesting use cases. For example, you know, if there's a there are two exchanges that are centralized anyway, and they're communicating over the liquid network, it makes a ton of sense for them to do that uh, to get faster confirmations because the trust model is like those, those two exchanges trust the network and they can they can just use it. Right? Uh, that makes a lot of sense, and you don't have to do transactions on the main Bitcoin network. Uh, but to kind of like be critical of open networks while building centralized solutions, like actually doesn't really make sense. Whereas uh, a lot of the average Bitcoin community members, uh, they wouldn't even know these details, right? Like forget about average Bitcoin uh, community members. Even uh, I didn't know about some details about uh, the Liquid Network until I dug in uh, while trying to write this uh, uh, tweet thread, right? So let's, let's get into some of the details. Uh, again, you know, before I do any comparison, I want to make sure that uh, it, it is a technical comparison, and I respect the people, especially the work that Blockstream has done, especially for Bitcoin. I think Liquid is one of their product lines, uh, but they've done a lot of work directly contributing to the Bitcoin code base. They've launched like satellites for Bitcoin. All of that work, amazingly valuable, uh, great contributions to the community. But let's narrow in on uh, the Liquid network itself, especially as it compares to Stacks, because some of, sometimes when this criticism comes up, they are implicitly comparing the approaches. They're implicitly comparing the Liquid network with the Stacks network. Uh, so let's let's uh, I think uh, let's let's dive in a little bit. So the first and the biggest difference is that um, Stacks is an open network. Open meaning so when you think about an open network, Bitcoin is an open network. Anyone can decide to be a miner of Bitcoin. You don't need anyone's permission to do that. Uh, interestingly, even Ethereum is an open network, right? Anyone can become a miner uh, on Ethereum as well. Uh, same with Stacks, uh, anyone can become a miner. And, and in fact, we wanted it to be uh, open to the ordinary people online. So you just need a normal laptop uh, and you can be anywhere on the planet. You don't need to own data center nodes. You can be anywhere on the planet. And if you want to be a miner, if you want to operate a full node, uh, you can do that. You don't need anyone's permission. Uh, compare that to Liquid, Liquid is a federation, 
meaning that it's a handful of trusted parties who operate the network. You can't just decide one day that I want to I want to operate I want to be a node on the on the liquid network and and actually process transactions. You basically can't do that. So you so it's centralized versus decentralized uh, and, and open, right? That's the first thing. The second thing is that uh, there is a Bitcoin derived asset uh, LBDC on Liquid. People people kind of like think of that as like oh it's Bitcoin on a sidechain. First of all, Liquid is not really a sidechain. It's a it's a federated network. It's 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 like you know these lines are blurry, but you should think of a federated network as being very close to being a centralized network than than anything that that, that is more open. And uh, LBDC is a Bitcoin derived asset, which is effectively a multisig. I believe it's a two on three multisig. I don't know who are the people who actually control the keys, and probably for security reasons they they, they wouldn't tell you who they are either. But it's a two on three multisig, and you're sending your Bitcoin to somebody else. It's a completely custodial approach. And then you're trying to use this Bitcoin-derived asset uh, through a custodial approach on a closed network, right? Which is drastically different from what's what's happening on on the stack side, right? And again, this this network is uh, other than the fact that it uses the Bitcoin um, custodial asset has nothing to do with the Bitcoin chain, like at all, right? Liquid uh, doesn't talk to Bitcoin. Uh, at the consensus level, the smart contracts, uh, they have the language called simplicity. They have nothing to do with the Bitcoin chain, right? Uh, there is there's kind of like no connection between the two networks. It's like as if, you know, I can start a network with two, three friends and we can have a multi-sig wallet attached with it and basically have some sort of custodial asset where we are saying we're going to, we, if you trust us, we would say this thing uh, represents Bitcoin. Like, so any any anyone can kind of like do it, go there and start these federations. It's very different from the kind of consensus that Stacks has. Stacks actually has cross-chain consensus uh, with Bitcoin, meaning that the miners are actually operating at the at the at the Bitcoin side. Stacks recognizes Bitcoin transactions. You can do pure Bitcoin transactions to interact with the contracts on Stacks. Which is a night and day difference between something that is completely disconnected, has nothing to do with Bitcoin, versus you're doing pure Bitcoin transactions and you're actually interacting with smart contracts. Like this is this is um, how you know certain applications on Stacks get built. Like if you if you even think about stacking, people are locking up uh, capital in a smart contract and they're receiving pure Bitcoin transactions uh, on the Bitcoin chain. So the connection between between Bitcoin and uh, stacks is actually very, very strong. In fact, like it's in my view, it's kind of like the closest thing you can get uh, to have full smart contracts. Because otherwise, like I think, if you want to be any closer to Bitcoin, then you'll basically be using Bitcoin script, uh, and that's that that has limitation that we've addressed in, in other ways. Uh, another difference is so I think we can we can kind of like go down the uh, the the line and list items of like what the technical differences are. That's fine. But interestingly, a lot of the criticism turns out the criticism is actually not even about the technology at all, right? Either, even 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 um, Adam would admit that yeah, some some of these projects they have some interesting innovations. I don't think that the problem is actually uh, with Stacks the technology. The technology might be interesting. I think the problem that these people have uh, with the project is actually the gases, right? Which is which is something that actually took me. 
a very long time to even understand that what what the what the heart of, and or the root of the, the problem were there is right. So I think it's a combination of uh, some sort of uh, beliefs that any asset out there is trying to compete with Bitcoin. So I just fundamentally disagree with that. Like in my view, a store of value asset is very very different uh, from gas. Right? There are so many gas assets out there. Ethereum being one of them. Yes, Ethereum is trying to be competitive with Bitcoin, but that's a that's for very different reasons, right? I think they're 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 actually uh, proactively trying to compete with Bitcoin on on different metrics. And there are so many gas assets, and these gas assets exist. I don't, in my mind, I would never, you know, store money for long term storage as a store of value in a gas asset. Like a gas asset is just fundamentally uh, a very a very different thing, right? And Stacks has actually gone a step further to distinguish the two things because we use Bitcoin as money, right? So we so that so that there is no confusion, the type of confusion that arises from Ethereum, where you know the, the assets start getting used a lot and it started getting used as collateral and other types of uh, of, of use cases where people are like you know what maybe Ethereum can be money, right? So Stacks actually doesn't even go there because it has a fundamental relationship with Bitcoin, where for store of value use cases. Uh, you actually use Bitcoin, and Stacks is not a sovereign uh, currency because Stacks cannot exist without Bitcoin, right? And it is designed purely to be a gas asset. And again, comparing that to, uh, to that's you know I think just a, a philosophical thing that if you don't believe in gas assets, uh, you're just going to be critical of them no matter what. But that's a little bit like you know um, putting your head in the sand and and assuming that. Gas assets don't exist. Well, Ethereum has a 400 billion market cap. Uh, Solana recently uh, is getting a lot of developer traction. There's Avalanche. There's Algorand. These things exist. People use them. Developers are excited about them. So you can't just put your head in the sand and be like, you know, gas assets are are uh, immoral or they they are worthless or they shouldn't exist. That's a free world. It's a free market. These these things. Uh, are are useful to people and they're using it and and you can't just uh, try to force your views on other people uh, because because it's a free world and if, if people would find certain applications and use cases that are interesting uh, for gas assets they're they're going to use them but here's a, here's a little detail that I think is is even more interesting and not a lot of people actually know about this so there is a gas asset on liquid itself uh, that is the custodial Bitcoin derived asset. But interestingly, all the gas fees on liquid actually go to blockchain. So if and this is this is a detail that I don't think a lot of people are familiar with, even though it's very easy to find um, uh, on the website. So anyone who's using the liquid network is actually paying transaction fees to a single company, which in my view is heavily centralizing. Like imagine a Web3 uh, built on a system like liquid where every single Web3 transaction is actually a payment to a single company. That is a strong centralizing force. And then that company is also responsible for building the network. Even the development of Liquid is not decentralized, unlike Stacks that has 30 plus different entities and open source contributors, because there's strong incentives for a single company that is getting all the transaction fees to then basically be responsible for maintaining that network as well. That, in, 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 in my world, is not the uh, definition of decentralization. It's not the definition of an open platform where anyone can come in, anyone can become a miner. Uh, if you're a miner, you get to collect fees. Like we are not saying on Stacks that, hey, every single transaction 
the fee is actually going to Hero Systems, the company that originally contributed to the quiz. Hero Systems has stepped back since the launch of the network and since the system decentralized. So I think those are some huge differences in terms of both technical and also uh, philosophical, because I think people on the stack size actually deeply believe in decentralization. They deeply believe in the value of smart contracts and building open systems. And I think that's actually resonating with developers out there. That's actually resonating with the community members out there. And, and the data kind of like speaks for itself. If you look at some of the, the activity happening. Uh, so, so yesterday, when I was actually writing this tweet from, I went to the uh, Liquid Block Explorer and there were something like one or two transactions, usually one, sometimes two transactions um, on the blockchain. And whenever it has one transaction, that means that literally nobody is using the network because one transaction is basically just the Coinbase transaction. That is the, the base transaction that happens. So when it has two transactions, that means there's at least one party uh, that is using the network versus Stacks, that is the mainnet launch was, was six, seven months ago. And the blocks are literally running at full capacity right now. People are yelling at open source developers that we want more, more network capacity. The mempool is full and, and, and open source developers are working like crazy to 10x the network capacity uh, in, in, in the network, right? So I think the organic community and the number of developers who are showing up uh, is a direct result of the fact that it's an open network it is decentralized. It is open to everybody, and people people kind of like believe in building open systems, and that just directly reflects in the in the type of uh, traction that you're getting. Versus, if you're building on a network that where you have to trust certain parties, and then you're sending your your transaction fees to a single company, like people will start questioning that if I want to build decentralized applications, like why why would I use that when there are so many options available now to people. Uh, in terms of in, in terms of decentralized smart contracts, not just Stacks. Stacks is more in the Bitcoin ecosystem, but outside of the Bitcoin ecosystem, there's so much competition now and so many uh, great choices uh, available to developers. Absolutely, and thank you for that overview. We are definitely going to provide a link to the tweet spread and additional resources below. So definitely check those out in the description. Um, and you brought up one one point there that was around essentially tokens, which are really required for running these open decentralized networks. Um, and I think you know the the Stacks project has done something truly unique in that dimension. So could you just speak further to um, the methodology methodology through which the Stacks token sales were run and the decision framework behind that? Yes. So I think um, I would I would divide the token offerings into two things, right? One thing is the gas asset, that the gas asset is required. I know some people would disagree, and, and I have this open challenge that if you think that you can uh, build a decentralized network where there's no gas asset, please fork the Stacks code or fork any other project that, that you're aware of and try and run and, and run a network like that. It literally wouldn't work, right? Because computations are not free. You have to pay the miners to compute the smart contracts. And you have no one is going to just do work uh, for no payments. So you can't expect the miners to process the transactions without any rewards that they can actually collect. Right? So those are very simple re reasons for why gas assets are actually necessary. And, and the markets, market data is right there. Right? Like every single smart contract platform that is actually decentralized, like you, you could, you could 
built it as a closed system, as a federation, and a few companies are running it, that's, that, that's possible. But that's not what we're trying to do with building open systems for Web3. Right? So that's the first thing that the gas has to say, is a, is a complete necessity for uh, building open smart contract platforms. That's one. The second purpose, and this is where it gets a little bit more confusing, is that sometimes projects use the initial sales of, uh, uh, of, of these uh, gas assets to actually fund the development of the network. You could technically uh, raise traditional venture capital and, and sell uh, you know, equity in a company as well uh, for, for, uh, for funding the initial development. And some people have done that, including us. Like I think our initial funding rounds in the, in the original company uh, they were tr- traditional equity rounds, right? But like in terms of uh, like that use case, I think what we have done is we were trying to optimize for two things. One, we wanted to be strictly compliant uh, with, with with the law, with any applicable regulations, and two, we wanted to be as fair as possible uh, to our community, to the community of developers, to the to the people who are who are supportive of the project, and so on. And it wasn't pr- straightforward to figure out how to do that because the industry was so new. I'm talking about back in like 2017 and so on. It wasn't straightforward at all to figure out how to be compliant and how to be open at the same time because you could uh, people could just like block, for example, uh, the non-accredited investors, right? Because the regulations for accredited uh, investors are, are actually more straightforward. So if you limit any of your offerings to just the accredited investors, in many ways, the regulations are more shared forward. It's easier, less overhead, and you can just do that. But we, we didn't feel good doing that because most of our community members, most of the developers who are actually building in the ecosystem, they're not accredited investors. And it doesn't uh, look fair uh, or feel fair that you're basically discriminating against people based on how much money they have. Right? So that's that's one thing. Then uh, the second thing was like figuring out like you know how exactly can we be compliant? And we did a ton of work here. And this was this is something that I think the Stacks project gets a lot of recognition for, and a lot of people know about the project because of the first SEC qualified offer that we had, uh, which was a public offer. So in 2017, uh, when you know we we didn't know how to how to crack that, and there was an offering that was limited to just accredited measures, we actually gave out vouchers, uh, free vouchers to they were basically non-binding. Uh, we were saying to our community, here's a free voucher that basically says that if down the road we ever figure out uh, how to open up the sales to you guys, you will basically get the same price as, as the credit investors. And we are very proud of the fact that we spent two years, millions of dollars on legal fees, and actually figured it out for those people so that they could participate in the open network along, along with, 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 the, with the rich people and I, and I feel great about the fact that we, we were able to do that. Secondly, in terms of the compliance side, this was the first ever SEC qualified offering, meaning that the level of transparency, the level of detail and information available to people, uh, it, there, was, there was basically no other precedence for that. Any, any information that you want to find out about the uh, SEC qualified offering, it's a public doc, you can go and basically find any any detail uh, that is necessary, any disclosure. So I think interestingly, uh, when when I had that tweet thread, a lot of people were like, oh, uh, I have this question and, and uh, who got the tokens and at what price? Every single thing is literally disclosed as a public document in an SEC filing signed button, right? So you, you, can, you can go and, and find all that information. We did that on purpose. 
uh, so that the public gets access and the public actually gets full disclosure. And the important thing to realize is after those offerings, which I would I would say were clearly more open to, to the public, we were not discriminating based on geographic location. If you were based in the US, you could still participate. Uh, we were not discriminating uh, based on how much money you have. Even if you're not an accredited investor, you could, you could still participate. And then the network explicitly decentralized, right? And people have been who have been following the journey, they know that this was always the plan, that you know, some of the early team members, they went off organically, uh, started different companies in the ecosystem. Hero basically stepped back and started uh, focusing just on developer tools. Uh, the independent miners came in and launched the permissionless network. Uh, and, and everything that we have seen over, over, the, over, over the past six months or so, where this ecosystem is just growing. And I, I think it's growing because it's actually decentralized. It's growing because there is no kind of like central uh, company uh, behind every decision and there's no central company that people are actually dependent on. So people feel empowered. They feel like this is our network. You know, we can participate in it. Uh, we can improve it. We can do whatever we, we, we want on it. And it's actually truly permissionless. And I think that's, that's like a superpower uh, of, of this ecosystem because I wouldn't name any projects, but I don't think that the level of decentralization or the level of care given uh, to compliance and regulations and open access uh, there's there's any kind of like match for that in the crypto ecosystem right now. Awesome, thank you. And um, so there's been lots of, I think, wins and just growth in the ecosystem generally as well. And um, I just want to spend a moment on, you recently tweeted that um, BitGo now supports Stacks as well. And so I'd love to hear, you know, what does this mean for the wider Stacks ecosystem? Yeah, so I think BitGo is definitely like a, OG company in the in the crypto industry, uh, so many uh, so many co other companies use it. Uh, like they are a trusted uh, brand name in the ecosystem. So many exchanges, so many wallet providers, uh, they actually in the back end use Bitcoin infrastructure, right? So it's not just the institutional side that yes, people can go and, and custody uh, stacks on on Bitcoin, which I'm I'm very excited about. Obviously, it opens up access to more and more people, and we believe in opening opening access to everybody. Uh, and, and, but the more important thing is that it enables uh, a lot of engineers and developers working at other crypto companies to be easily be able to integrate stacks as well. And that's the thing that I'm really especially excited about, because that, again, means, uh, you know, people who want to integrate this technology, uh, they can just go and work with Bitco and do that. And I think Hero itself has plans uh, to use the uh, Bitco API for some interesting dev tooling stuff that, that we're working on. Excellent. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap for this episode. Thank you to everyone who's tuning into these weekly sessions. Um, we really appreciate you and also want to answer all your questions. So leave them in the comments below. Um, and please subscribe to the Hero YouTube channel to stay up to date um, and so that more folks can learn about Stacks. And as always, thank you, Maneev, for being here. Thank you so much. Yeah.